Well, if you have your Bible today, uh, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5, and Exodus, four, uh, Exodus, uh, thir- Exodus 14, rather, Exodus 14, rather, Exodus 14. And uh, I started this series in the beginning of the year called Midnight Answers, and it's connected to this passage in, in, in Luke. And uh, I want us uh, to grow in the area of prayer as a congregation. We, we have been growing. Uh, we, have been, we, we have seen the Lord bless us in the area of, of, of daily prayer. Most of you know this, but uh, maybe some do not. We actually, not only do we have three services on Sunday, but we have a service Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 9 a.m. called Daily Prayer. It's filled with uh, an encouraging prophetic word. It's filled with worship, and we pray. And uh, I call it the engine room of Calvary. Uh, last year, uh, we, we, we did over 200 corporate times of prayer just through daily prayer. And so uh, I want you to know that prayer is not only something that we give uh, lip service to, but it is a value here that we live. And seniors, if you are retired, I am I am re-employing you. Now, your pay will be small. Nothing, but, but you, there is a reward, and God gives you a reward for being persistent in prayer. So you could come and think, wow, I retired from one uh, vocation, and I took up a kingdom vocation and begin to pray. We're seeing miracles. Every Wednesday, we have a miracle service, a healing service every Wednesday morning. We watched, oh, I, I don't care if you believe, I'm going to tell you. So just know this in advance. We watch legs grow out this Wednesday right before our eyes. You say, I wish I could have seen what all you have to do is come. All you have to do is come. It's amazing what the Lord is doing. Now, we want to step through the open door that God has for us uh, this year. God, how many of you know God's got an opportunity for you to partner with him this year and you're going to see things uh, for the kingdom's sake that maybe you've never seen before? I believe it. I am knowing, I know there's an open door. I'm glad I got one believer in the house. I, I know there's an open door for us as a church, but it extends beyond the corporate uh, responsibility to a personal application. Man, we are going to see God move through our personal lives. But how do you do that? How do you do that? How do you genuinely step into these things? Well, first, you lay hold of the principle of prayer. And in Luke chapter 11, Jesus teaches a little more about prayer. And I'm going to be reading this from the New Living Translation. It'll be on the screen for you. And the reason why is uh, when we started our 2022 Bible reading program, which I hope that you guys will be a part of, uh, just, ju- just jump in uh, with us. Uh, it's on the Bible app. Nikki Gumbel's uh, Bible reading program is incredible. But uh, I-, I felt as if the Lord instructed me to, to read it in a different version than I study. I study New King James, which is a word-for-word, kind of a word-for-word translation, which for Bible nerds like me is necessary in order to properly exegete passages. However, devotionally, um, 
uh, I felt like the Lord wanted to give just, just fresh, uh, you know, more, more thought by thought impressions to me. And so I, I, want, I, I wanted to see that that way. And I, I think that God is inviting you this year to see scriptures, perhaps you've been familiar with for a long time, with fresh perspective. And, and, and so please, let's be a people connected to God's word so we can step into what God has for us. Luke 11, 5 through 10 says this. Then Jesus teaching them more about prayer. Uh-oh. We have more to learn about this area. He used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight. Wanting to borrow three loaves of bread, you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night. My family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For who, everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks the door will be open. I got to tell you, man, when you read these verses, man, it ought to it ought to set a fire in your prayer life. Why? Because Jesus said, everyone who asks and keeps on asking, what happens? They Oh man, let me check over here. I'm not sure if anybody's been listening on this side. Everyone who asks, they they receive. Everyone who seeks, how many people? Everyone. Everyone. When you knock on a door, it will be. Do you understand that God is not against answering prayer? He is actually telling us as he's teaching us about prayer, I'm so for answering prayer, I want you to get shameless. I want you to get up and understand that everything that you need for the people in your life that you don't possess is in my house. So come at midnight and knock and seek and ask and keep knocking and keep seeking and keep asking. Why? Because you're going to get what you're after. But our prayer lives need to look like this teaching. I want you to understand this passage is why there's so much warfare against your prayer life. Why there's so many distractions. Why I mean there's so many opportunities that would drag you away from those moments. This is why. And we said it this way and for the last couple of weeks. And please go to our website, calvary.online, and you can listen to these messages. But this is the way that we've been teaching this, that asking prayers are what prayers. They're, they're, they're kind of like, okay, what do I do? What is my greatest need? And then... Seeking prayers, because it denotes motion, are where prayers. God, where are you moving? Where are you? That's the first thing that we seek. The first thing that we seek isn't, 
isn't like a place, it's a who. We're called to seek God. And I talked about that a little bit last week, and we're going to finish up on that. And knocking prayers are win prayers, and we're going we're gonna to get to that next week about, God, when is this coming through? When are you going to do this? And so I want to uh, today kind of further d- develop the idea of living in these where prayers, these motion prayers of following God, how he leads us. I gave you five points a couple of weeks ago about how God leads. I think it, uh, I think it just bears me touching on him. I, I went into depth in the, in, in the message, but I want you to understand that there are some some C's that help us to understand how God leads. So if you're asking a where question, you need to be following God's leadership. Uh, first, there's commanding scripture. When God commands something in scripture, uh, if, if you think you've got direction from God that violates a commanding scripture, you have not heard from God. You either heard from your flesh or Satan. And uh, so when we have a commanding scripture, that's God leading us. When th- sometimes we have a compelling spirit, like God is compelling us uh, uh, to do something. Uh, we just, uh, we feel it. Uh, by the way, and I said this, and it certainly bears repeating, when God begins to move by his spirit, uh, you know, the church starts to use common sense. You're not supposed to be uh, uh, you know, this person that checks their brain at the door because you suddenly begin to follow the leadership of God. So, no, you use common sense. And then what? You also use the counsel of the saints. That means you listen to your pastors. You listen to, to other voices in your life. And many times, uh, that's, the, that's the way to walk into victory. That's actually how victory is released, that there is wisdom in the counsel of many. And then there's circumstantial signs. God gives us these signs, and, and he's following us. And we're like, oh, yes, there's another confirmation. There's another one. There's another one. There's another one. And he walks us through, and that's how he leads us in this time where we're going, where, God? I'm seeking you. But let me give you not only the, the, the first where question was, God, where are you moving? But this second where question that all of us should begin to ask this year so we can get through the open door that God has for us in 2022 is this, God, where do I participate? Where do I participate? By the way, I don't want you to get muddied down in your Christian walk in half-truths. How many of you have ever ever heard this? This is not a half-truth. This is a complete truth. How many of you have ever heard, God is in control? That's right. He is in control. But you also need to know this, each and every one of you has an assignment that God created before you ever drew your first breath. His plan for you was written, and he will not make you do it. Your assignment is is walked in when you say yes to it. When you say yes to God's plan, yes, I'll partner with you. Yes, God, I'll do it. So while God is control, here is another kind of the flip side of that is that God will not make you live out his plan for your life. You know why? Because of the first and great command. 
He won't make you because of the first and great command. You know what that is, right? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you cannot love in the absence of choice. So we find in these moments where we say, okay, where do I participate? There, It is saying, God, we know you are in control, but at the same time, we believe you have placed us here with purpose. You have placed us here with gifting. You have anointed us for this hour. Some people have heard it uh, said in the last two years, oh, if I could have just lived in the 60s or the 50s or some other time when there wasn't a global pandemic. You know, when times were simpler, yeah, right. You want to go back? How far back? Because Starbucks doesn't exist back then. (laughs) Come on, your convenience. Oh, you think you're cold on this wintry Florida morning. I tell you what, things, things were much different just, just, a, just a few years ago. You got your own different set of problems. Let me say it to you this way. Let's ignore what the possibilities of the past are and say, God, you have anointed me by your spirit for this hour. I have everything I need for this moment. God, you will supply it. Just show me where you're moving and Persistent prayer asking this, where do I participate? Now, the, 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 the passage that the Lord led me to is out of Exodus 14 to kind of illustrate this so we can get some clear answers biblically that can serve as a foundation uh, for you to begin to explore this specifically in your own life. So Exodus 14 tells the story of how God led the children of Israel to a dead end. He led them to a dead end. He brought them out of Egypt, out of bondage, blessed them with gold and silver, gave them a cloud by day and a a fire by night, and he led them, and they followed him. And where did he lead them? Right to An impossible situation. So, has anybody ever given their life to Christ, began to really start to walk and follow God, and things got worse? Man, I'm glad I got like four people who have walked this thing with Jesus the way I have walked it. Where I know I'm following him and it didn't get easier. It just led me to the Red Sea and my enemy getting all the closer. But yet we'll find here the place of participation in this critical moment. This is what it says in Exodus 14. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one and it gave light by night to the other. So that the one did not come near the other all that night. 
Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided so that the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground. And in the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea. All Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and horsemen. When you ask the Lord, where do I participate? You can learn some lessons from this chapter. First lesson we can learn from this is this. Where you participate is in the camp. It's in the camp. Let me uh, get a little extra biblical and suggest to you today that any Israelites who wandered outside the camp were subject to two things. The harsh, the harsh reality of what was happening every day in the wilderness where there was no supply, no food, nothing, and the harsh reality of the enemy which was camped nearby looking for the one to be isolated away from the camp. You should write this down. Isolation is the devil's playground. You receive protection in the camp of God called the local church in fellowship with other spirit-led, spirit-filled people who are following the fire by night and the cloud by day. The protection is in the camp. So where does God want you to participate? In the place of fellowship. He wants you to begin to participate with other leaders and believers in the body of Christ. Let's look at what Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says about this very thing. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the, capital D, day approaching. This is what it says. Listen, we are stepping in on this timeline closer and closer to the day of Jesus Christ's return. And here's what he says. He says, as you see the day approaching, there ought to be a longing in your heart to get more and more connection to other spirit-filled believers around you. You're not thinking, oh, it's okay for me to go to church one a month. No way. I see this world falling apart and there's one place of refuge. There's one place of hope. There's one place of protection. Oh, it's in the camp. It's in the church. He says, man, when you get there, there ought to be some stuff going on. Let us consider. Let us consider one another. I know sometimes we limp our way into church, right? We've had our spiritual butts kicked all week. And we limp into church. 
And we're just going, oh God, I just need a little, I need a little hope. I need a little touch. I need, I need, I need, I need. And yet this verse says, let us consider one another. That means sometimes when I come to church, most of the time when I come to church, I'm not thinking about what I need. I'm looking for somebody who's in need. And what am I going to do in that moment? I'm going to stir up love. I'm going to stir up their love for God. I'm going to stir up their love for others. And I love this. And good works. I'm going to tell you this. If you isolate, there will be good works you never walk in. Why? Because you were supposed to be inspired by other brothers and sisters in the local fellowship. They had the idea of the good work and you walked in it. Oh, I'm preaching good. I'm trying to help somebody. And listen, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. This is very important, church. What do you think has happened these last two years? One of the greatest assaults on the body of Christ to try to keep us apart. When God says there's protection when you come together. I want to encourage you, no matter what, no matter what, get to the house of God. This place is essential. This place is essential. And I would say it this way, um, it's not just essential for you to be here on a Sunday. That's uh, obviously, this, this kind of sets the course for everything. You need to find a group of people that you can have meaningful relationship with. 90 minutes on a Sunday morning cannot lend itself to meaningful relationship. But 19 different life groups where you're going after God, doing the passion of that leader. Perhaps it's a, it's a, it's a stage of life that you're in. Uh, uh, people who are interested in similar things. I mean, we have this small life group that's happening on Tuesday nights. Man, that, that joker's like 50 people in it now. And so we, we have to be really intentional. It's an equipping group that has that, this, this, this side of growing in relationship. Listen, as we grow larger and larger as a fellowship, we have to intentionally grow smaller. And the way we do that is we raise up people with shepherd hearts who say, I'll gather some people, I'll pray for them, I'll love on them, and we'll do it around this passion or this, this, this season of life, and we'll do that together. Listen, it's time that we say, God, where do I participate? I'm going to participate in the camp. If you ever came through our foundations course, you'd hear this. All of you are called to ministry. Some of you may have a worldwide call to ministry, but the very last lesson you'll learn is that it begins in the local church. It begins in the local church. You'll never uh, overstep the process of smallness and time. Let me give you another place where you can participate. It's in the light. In the light. You participate in the light. This is a place of intimacy with God. You see, the scripture says, and listen to these words carefully. 
And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud from before them stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. It was a cloud of darkness to Egypt, but it gave light by night to the Israelites. When you are intimate with God, he gives you the light of revelation in the place of intimacy. I love this. God changed positions and most people who read this story don't realize it. He went from going before them, led them to the Red Sea, and then went and got behind them so that he could separate them from their enemies that were pursuing them. Egypt wanted to kill them. So the presence of God to those who were outside covenant relationship with God was darkness. The same presence of God on the one hand is complete darkness. And on the other was complete light. Listen, even at night. The greatest question that I've had to answer over the years in ministry is, Pastor Otis, how do I hear God? How do I hear God? And I believe in the substrata of reasons why people uh, might ask that question, it would, you are also saying something else. Why is it that I feel as if my prayers are not heard and getting answers? Because you're saying, I can't hear God. That suggests that you're having a conversation with him, and yet you do not feel as if you're getting a response. Let me give you a quick answer. Press in to intimacy with God, and you will begin to hear him like never before. Press into the word of God. Press into the secret place of prayer. Press into fasting. You're like, we just, we just finished one. Why are you bringing that up? Because uh, you're not only called to fast when I bring it up. You're called to fast when he brings it up. And so what do we do? We press into the place of intimacy. Notice what Jesus said in John 8, 12. Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. He who follows me, not he who knows what I did or knows me from afar, he who follows me. He said, I am the light of the world, and some of you just need to stand on what Jesus said and says, I will not walk in darkness. I will have revelation. I will have your leadership. I will have a illumination of the scriptures and I will have your hand directing me into the way that I should go. Why? Because you're the light of the world and I'm following you. I'm following you in intimacy. You say, well, then why do I feel like I'm in darkness? I'm going to ask you a real question. Who are you following? 
What if you've only been inviting God into your hopes and dreams and have never paused to say, God, what is your hope and dream for my life? Because that's the one I want to live. I believe God is showing us about how persistence in prayer and persistence in intimacy and movement of saying, God, where do I participate, is going to lead us to the greater places of revelation, the greater places of illumination, that suddenly I'm not walking in darkness. Why? Because he says I won't. Let me give it to you from James. James says this. Here's the movement. Here's the place. Draw near to God. And he will what? Draw near to you. You're going to experience the light of who Christ is as you press into an intimate relationship with him. Egypt had their gods and they had no light and revelation for where they were. Israel said there is one God. His name, Jehovah or Yahweh. That we have one God. And what did they have? Even in the darkest night, they had light. Let me give you this last one. If you say, where do I participate? Here it is. You're not going to like this. In the sea. In the sea. You are going to walk in these moments where, where suddenly you know, okay, I'm in the camp. I'm in intimacy with God. But behind me is an enemy that is pursuing me. And all I, all I see in front of me is a graveyard. All I see is this sea of impossibility. It's in those moments where you begin to question God. That's what they did in Israel. They begin to think to themselves, man, maybe I would have been better off just staying in Egypt. Maybe we should have just went back to those 400 years of, 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 of slavery. Maybe we should have just went back there. And here they are standing on the edge of impossibilities. And when they were standing in that place, some of them begin to complain to God. And God spoke up and said to Moses, hey, Moses, can I talk to you for a second? He said, why do I hear this complaining in my ear? Uh, cause, cause, uh, you led us here. And this is what God said, Moses, what are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? I don't think it ever occurred to Moses that he was supposed to do something about the sea of impossibility in front of him. But what God called Moses to do was get into the place of faith. And here's what it looked like. I'm going to take this stick. With all these grumblers and complainers. I told you we should not have followed him. <laughs> we are never getting back to the garlic and 
and, and leaks of Egypt. We're never, do you see where we are? And look at our leader. What a weirdo. I'm here to tell you that God is looking for some people who would risk looking like a fool to stand in faith on the shores of impossibility, risking your public reputation so that you could have a supernatural impact on a region. What's it look like? I'm going to lift up intercession. I'm going to lift up what I have in my hand. And I'm going to begin to pray. And when we pray and intercede, a wind will begin to blow. Listen, church, you are not made to live in the land of possibility. You are called to walk in a land called impossibility. Listen, if you can figure out your life and make it on your own with your own gifting, your own education, your own intellect, your own resource, I think your path is a little too shallow. Sometimes God calls a people to stand on the shores of impossibility and to say, God, I'm going to ask and keep on asking. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seek and keep on seeking. Where do I participate? If you're calling me into that ocean, then you're going to have to make a way. And I love this. He holds it up and the wind begins to blow and the sea parts. And God says, step into the sea, Moses. Where did the light stay? It did not come around in front. Read your Bible. Read the story. Stayed behind them. I don't know about you. But when God leads me, I want that light to be right out in front of me. Why? Because then I can see everything. See, in our mind, we think when he parts the Red Sea, we, we think to ourselves, well, it was just a straight path. How do you know? How do you know that? That's not in the Bible. It doesn't say they walked a straight path. It says they walked on dry ground. And it could be that their walk of faith through the Red Sea took some curves that they barely had enough light to see where the next step was. And they kept walking and walking. The light kept following. There was enough to take another step of faith and another step of faith and another step of faith and another step of faith. Listen, if you're walking, if you're trying to live in the fullness of revelation, like, oh, when God gives me the whole plan for the 80, 90 years, then I'll start living it. It's nonsense step out in the dark step out in the shadows step out while it's still a little bit dim and the dawn is just coming you hear the voice of God you belong in the sea you belong in the place of faith so listen to my voice and follow my leadership and find the dry ground that doesn't make any sense 
Hebrews 11.6 says it this way. It says, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's what faith looks like. It's impossible to please God without faith. Faith is not you figuring it out. Faith is being convinced about who God is and, and, and that he will do what he has said he will do. And that he is a rewarder of those who say, God, where are you moving and where do I participate? He's a rewarder of those who what? Seek him. And when you seek you it's a life of faith it's a life of faith and if we're going to get through the open doors that God has for us don't think that it's all going to be worked out perfectly and everything is in place just know God is giving you just enough light just enough revelation just enough miracle to keep going now what's the benefit of living this way from this story, it's this. God drowns your Egyptians. He drowns your Egyptians. What happened was, is God just scooted everybody up that was following behind. Why? Because the presence and the light of God came from behind. And so when the 1.5 million to 3 million people who were walking through the Red Sea... When they came out of the water, so did the presence of God. You know who was in the water? Egyptians. And when the presence of God left the water, Moses said, that's enough. And what happened? God drowned their enemies. I'm here to tell you, if we begin to live this life of saying, God, where are you moving and how do I participate? It will lead you to a life of faith that leaves behind the enemy that has tormented you for years. And God says, I will drown it in transformation. I will drown it and I will baptize you in my purpose. That's the reward. Church. God is saying, persist in prayer. Some of you are standing at the sea of impossibility today and you say, I don't know what to do. Why don't you take what's in your hand or what's within your reach? Perhaps it's bowing a knee and saying, God, I'm ready to step in to that sea of impossibility where your wind begins to blow. And I trust that when I, when I step into that place, you're going to meet me there. I do want to say today, before we close, you can be sure of this. If you're here under the sound of my voice and you've never come into relationship, intimate relationship with God, be sure of this. If you're asking God, where do I participate? He says, first place, at the foot of the cross. At the place where you repent, where you turn from your old life and you believe Jesus paid the price for all of your sins. And you give your life to him and then you say, okay, God, I'm getting in the camp. I'm going to live in the light of intimacy and I'm going to step into the place of faith of the life that you've called me to. It all starts at the foot of the cross. 